Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Gentlemen, welcome to another formidable, awesome, amazing experience that is the fumble. Darren, they said sell it, sell it, sell it. I think I sold it, right? I think you sold it. You sold it well. It's the fumble with Fletcher and Vern. I'm Vernon Kerr and he is Darren Fletcher. And we're here to talk about NFL, all things NFL that doesn't hopefully occur inside the gridiron. It was Twickenham at the weekend. It was the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Los Angeles Rams. Darren, what do you reckon? I think the Rams are a good team, don't you? I was really, really impressed by them. Great to see Jared Goff in the flesh. He's a different quarterback. Todd Gurley's an absolute monster. And they look to be a team, I think, you know, that if they don't make the playoffs, I'll be really surprised. And when you look at what they've got, in a, a division as wide open as the NFC, They've got a chance, you know, because they've got a decent quarterback, great running game, wide receiving options, and a good defense. I felt really sorry for the Cardinals. They look second rate next to the Rams. But I I, I just think the Rams, week by week, Vern, look a better team. They look better all the time. Well, did you watch the programme that's on Amazon Prime about the Rams last year? I did. When Coach Fisher was in charge, it looked like a team all higgledy-piggledy. It didn't really look controlled. It didn't really look organised. Now, Sean McVeigh's come on board, and I love the fact that when the defence is on the field, he lets the defensive coordinator coach the team. He goes and chats with the offence because, of course, he's got an amazing defensive coordinator in charge, a guy who can absolutely take control, take helm of the defence, while Sean McVeigh sits back, talks to the offence, gets things organised, and that's what they are. They are organised. Wade Phillips is his right-hand man, and it's just taken a lot of pressure off the head coach. It's taken a lot of pressure off the offence. Jared Goff just looks so calm and composed and it looked like a really, really, really simplified offence that knew what it was doing. To pay homage to these boys today, the only purchase I made at Twickenham at the weekend, and I'm wearing it now to record the fumble, is a Todd Gurley jersey. Did you buy a jersey at Twickenham, Darren? I bought a Todd Gurley jersey at Twickenham and I've got it on now. I'm not a Rams fan. I'm a Todd Gurley fan. I've got it on now. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, I hope you've got yeah. some cash ready for this weekend because we're going to see the Vikings and the Browns. Is it going to be a Sean Kaiser shirt? Oh, no. <laughs> no. No. Well, you might Definitely need, not. You might need a new duster. Hey, I tell you, before we carry on this conversation, one thing I'm going to give you later on is the results of the DraftKings Fantasy League for last week. Perfect. Yeah, I've got the numbers. So... That's going to be great. But carry on with Twickenham because, you know what? I'm devastated. Why? Because the first thing Crossy said to me on Sunday was... Simon Crossy, my producer. Yeah, what about that introduction? Because I was working on the side of the pitch with Sam. And ah, they, I know what yeah, you're talking about. I know what you're they, talking about. What, they introed the intro Let me explain. Me. Let me explain. Yeah, go Let on. Me explain. I, and I missed it. I right. missed it. So I'm devastated. So Darren and Sam Quirk. Is it Quirk or Quake? Quake. Sam Quake. So, no, so neither. 
Right, no, I don't. It's Quack. All right, so Sam Quack, Sam yeah. Quack, uh, and Darren were doing the side of the field introductions and keeping yeah. the fans entertained in Twickenham. I think it's a really good idea. So whilst you were there with Sam, your introduction was something along the lines of this. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your sideline host at Twickenham's National Rugby Stadium, Darren Fletcher, host of the Fumble, with Vernon Kay and Darren Fletcher. And the lady who's won the gold medal at the hockey, Sam Quake. Like, amazing. It was amazing. It was like another dimension, because I'm walking around, I was doing some stuff for Sky, and we were having a a kind of semi-production meeting, which involved some croissants, me cleaning my teeth, and a cup of coffee. And and I I thought, hang on a minute, did I just hear the fumble get a mention? Exactly. And lo and behold, Simon Cross, our producer, came bounding over. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? And I'm like, well, I, I think I did. What an yeah. amazing experience. I know. And I don't know whose idea it was to say it. Nothing to do with me. I didn't know it was coming. Well, I and thought I thought Sam slipped them a tenner or a twenty and thought, no. yeah, do us a favour. Will you plug the, 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 the podcast? Because we're flying no. at the moment. Numbers are through the roof. They are, exactly. And, and I, I, was, I was stunned by it. On the subject of you cleaning your teeth, that was the cause of, of much conversation on social media on Sunday <laughs> afternoon when you clean them again on the sidelines. <laughs> well, I always get... Well, I'll tell you what it is. I, I had a woodwork teacher, right? Uh, yeah. I'm not going to mention his name, but he knows who he is. And he was the kind of teacher that would always get up close and personal in your face when you were talking about the lathe when you were talking about all the files, screwing screws into pieces of wood, that kind of thing. And he had the worst coffee breath ever, to the point where we used to put sawdust in his kettle to prevent him making himself another (laughs) cup of coffee during the lesson. He absolutely honked. So it's kind of imprinted on my personal well-being, personal hygiene. It's killed me. So I have to always have, after a cup of coffee, I have to clean my teeth because of that. So I did it on the sidelines at Wembley. I was like that guy. Remember a few years ago at Chelsea when there was a guy behind the dugout cleaning his teeth? No, I can't remember. Do you remember that? That that just blew up on social media. So, yeah, so that's why I was cleaning my teeth. And people were like, Vern, have we just seen you cleaning your teeth on the sidelines? I'll tell you what, Twickenham's lucky that I didn't gob the the old minty fresh toothpaste out of my mouth. I actually swallowed it, and I never swallow toothpaste. Who does that? No, it it gives you a sore throat. Yeah, it does. It played havoc with me intestines. You can't do that. So if you need a, a quick tooth break halfway through, just just let us know. <laughs> just, I'm just off to clean me molars. Keep it going. Well, for I have ordered a coffee actually, time. Darren. Whilst oh, we're yeah, recording. Right, this. Okay. Uh, so we talked about the Rams being for real, but let's no, talk let about... me tell you. Let me tell you a quick story right, because you've just talked about shoving sawdust in the <laughs> in, in the woodwork teacher's kettle. We used to have a fellow that used to turn up at school and do the religious lessons. You know, RE. A priest. Yeah, right, yeah. I think, I think he might, I think he might have been a, a vicar. Is that different right. to a priest? I think he was just a vicar. So he used to turn up, and it was a real pain in the backside. But he used to come on a motorbike. So one autumn, we filled his helmet because he used to leave his helmet on the on the handlebars of his motorbike. We were able to get outside and fill his helmet with leaves. And then we all watched out the classroom window when he left, and he put this helmet on, <laughs> and all the leaves fell on his head. And it just it just reminded me, with you shoving sawdust in the kettle, that we should we shove leaves in the vicar's helmet. <laughs> but there you go, anyway. Just off the, nothing to do with the NFL. That, that's a good title of the book, you know. that, Darren. <laughs> Shoving leaves yeah. in the vicar's helmet. <laughs> Uh, so we, we, I'll go back. Let's quickly go back. We've talked about the Rams. Uh, we do think that they are yeah. for real. They look well organised. They look patient. Uh, they've got all the weapons that you need in the in this modern game of NFL. But let's talk about the Cardinals. We were big. They are AP. We are we were bigging up the fact that now they've got Adrian Peterson. They've got a yeah. um, a running game that can hopefully replace David Johnson because he was injured first well, week of the new season. And then all of a sudden. Carson Palmer goes down. What's the story on that, Darren? Well, I mean, I mean, they're done, aren't they? Because Drew Stanton was was out of his depth when he came in. He's never really shown enough in the relief appearances that we've seen to suggest he can carry the team. I don't want to name drop here, but we're going to hear from him during this episode of the fumble, the great Eric Dickerson. And there's a story to tell about him in a minute as well in your 87 American Bowl programme. Yep. But I was stood with Eric on the sidelines and... I thought, look, far be it from me to second-guess Bruce Arians for crying out loud. But I said to Eric at one stage, I said, when, you, when you're running the football 
when you were in the backfield for the Rams or any one of the teams that you played for, what did you want more than anything else? And he said, I just wanted the ball over and over and over again. He said, giving me two carries in the first quarter, a couple of carries in the second quarter, and kind of doing it like that was no good for me as a running back. I needed volume because I knew at one stage I'd break it. And if you want 120 yards from me in a game, you've got to let me break a couple. I can't do it in four-yard chunks time after time after time. He said, but to do that, I've got to get in a rhythm. I've got to find the soft parts of the defense, and I need the ball. And I said to him, what do you think about the role AP's playing here? And he said he needs the ball. They've got to give him the ball more. And I just don't think they gave Peterson the ball enough early in the game to establish the run, to let him be effective against the Rams' defence. I thought Bruce Arians got away from it far too early, put the ball in Carson Palmer's hands, and he couldn't get the job done. And then the moment he goes down, the whole thing's up in the air. But Eric Dickerson was saying, Peterson just needs the ball. You've got to give him the ball. If you want to run it against the Rams, you've got to keep doing it over and over and over again. And they got away from it far too fast. Well, I and if they're it, going to do that the rest of the way, they're going to be in trouble. I thought it was very strange that you come off a week where AP joins your team. You give him 26, 27 carries in one game. He has a exactly. block, he, he has a standout performance. On and the then, opening drive, Vern, the opening drive was Adrian Peterson the week before they came to London. Yeah, they gave exactly. it in, established it and built on it, didn't they? Exactly. And then you come to Wembley and I don't know whether they were scared of the turf. I don't know whether they were worried that it was wet. I don't know what they were trying to establish against uh, the Rams' defence. But he just didn't get the ball. And no. it, it, the thing is, is when you've got a strong running game, when you've got a running back who's as physical as Adrian Peterson, who's as powerful as the man is... You're going to wear defences down. Running round the outside, make sure that the cornerbacks and the safeties are making the tackles. Keep them away from the big boys because they love that physicality. But they'll get worn down as well. The more runs you have, if you've got a healthy, fit running back, the defence are just going to become tired. And we've talked about it time and time again on the fumble. You keep the defence honest. If you're running, then your DBs are going to be looking, first of all, into the backfield. And then it's pass, you know? That's what you've got to do. And they just didn't do it. And it was really confusing as to why, you know, I went down there the Wednesday before the game and Adrian Peterson was in a real jovial mood. He was really up for it. He was smiling. He was laughing. He was joking around with Bruce Arians and Carson Palmer. And on the field, you could tell he had a bone in his stride. And then they just didn't give him the ball. It was bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre. It, it was. It was. And, and the thing is, they were also throwing to Larry Fitzgerald quite early. And then he suddenly disappeared. Off the face of the earth as well. Yeah. But I was I was stood with a... I mean, there's been a bit of conjecture this season as to does it matter when you come into London? And people were kind of saying, well, look, the, the, the two teams prior to Sunday, the ones that came in early won the game and the ones that came in late lost the game. Well, that kind of stood on its head this week because the Cardinals were here all week and never got it going. The Rams came in on Friday and won. But I was stood with an American journalist on the sidelines before the game started. And he looked to me, he said, who do you fancy today? And I said, I fancy the Rams quite big. And he went, well, so do I. He said, I didn't. He said, but look at how sharp the Rams look in warm-ups compared to how lethargic the Cardinals look. And this was before the game even kicked off. Wow. Now, I couldn't see that. I'm not experienced like him. I couldn't see what he could see. But he'd got it in warm-ups. He said straight away, there's only one winner here today. Just look at the two of them, the way they're going through the warm-ups. And, and he, he called it early, and, and he was completely right. I mean, it was, I wonder it was so why that is, because we talk about jet lag, and we talk about the fact that when the teams come here the week prior, let's say arrive Monday or Tuesday, they have their own chef, everything's catered for, they have transport coming out of every orifice, there are so many buses, coaches, vans, unicycles, you name it, there's so much transport involved in shipping an American football team from one place to another there's so much security everything is catered for and Bruce Arians said that look it's just like being back in Arizona but without the sun and it is everything everything is catered for but jet lag when you go on holiday Darren how long does it take you to get rid of jet lag yeah a couple of days so there's no excuse if you arrive on the Monday or the Tuesday there is no excuse for jet lag so what was it what was it that made the Cardinals look lethargic it's bizarre I, I've, I've no idea and I, I've kind of tried to think about this this week and work out what the pros and cons would be. And you can actually make a lot of pros and a lot of cons for doing it both ways. You know, there is a theory that by turning it into something special in the middle of the season, it can be a positive. But there's also a thought in my mind that if you all of a sudden make a regular season game against the Rams into the equivalent of the Super Bowl, 
players react in different ways to different situations. And you might actually be creating a problem you don't need. If you treat it as a business trip and you leave when you'd normally leave. I mean, if you're going East Coast to West Coast, it's not a great deal of difference. Where was their game prior to this week? The Cardinals were at home against the Buccaneers. They were. And where were the Rams? And the Rams were on the road in Florida against Jacksonville. Ah, so they were East Coast. So I would assume, I don't know whether this is true or not, but off the top of my head and from previous London games, I would expect the Rams to have stayed in Florida and then travelled Thursday, arrived Friday. See, I think that's... Would that not be more disruptive in in a way than than actually going back to LA, having a couple of days in their own bed and then flying over? It's difficult to work out how... 53 individuals, and that's what you've got to remember an NFL roster is, 53 individuals are going to cope. I, I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way to do it because so many people are involved, aren't they? Yeah. You know, if it's, an, if it's an 11-man Premier League team with, 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 a, with a group of subs, you can kind of get a consensus that this is going to be best for seven of them, so we'll do that <laughs> yeah. and we'll help the other ones out. You know I get what, I mean? what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the big lads, so they, yeah. the, the no. they don't caught with jet lag. <laughs> exactly. Bear, bear in mind, Robert Quinn got off the plane in his dressing gown and slippers, didn't Love he? Love that. When he got here. What about a quick conversation about Twickenham itself? What, what did you think for the second game that they've had? Because obviously the Giants were there last year against the Rams. And maybe that's got something to do with it. The fact the Rams have been there the year before. So when they drove in on the coast, yeah. they knew what it looked like. When yeah. they walked out the tunnel, they knew what it felt like. Yep. Maybe that gave them a slight edge early in the game. Totally what about the whole? Yeah, what about the whole Twickenham experience for you? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was noisier than Wembley, although one or two on social media are saying that the atmosphere wasn't as good. How did you see it? I, I like Twickenham. I think Twickenham's old school. I th- mm. Someone compared it to the old giant stadium, and I, I've never been there. I wasn't fortunate enough to get there. But the modern stadiums are, are, are very all They're all concealed, aren't they? They're all closed, like individual units in the sections that you're at. So you've got the bar, yeah. you've got the food outlets. Twickenham, you walk in, the field is right there. There, are, there It's just the bones, the basics of a stadium. You've got the field... Excuse me, you've got the stands, you've got the seats, and then underneath it, there is nothing. It's just breeze block. And all the food and all the drink is outside. A lot of people have said on social media, it was a lot better organised than it was last year. The logistics of everything were a lot easier to figure out where everything was. I like the fact that the fans are very tightly packed, i.e. the food queues and the drinks queues. There's lots of chitter-chatter. You can hear people talking about the game. I think, it, it, I think it's... I'm not going to say better than Wembley, because I don't think it is. I think it's on a par with Wembley. Do you enjoy it more than Wembley? You sound like you do. Yeah. The experience I, I, at Twickenham. Because I enjoy Wembley more. <clears throat> yeah, my experience at Twickenham was being amongst it with the fans, you know, because the, when you're fortunate enough to have a prawn sandwich ticket, you miss that. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I'd like to hear it from a fan's perspective, you know, because we've been working the past several NFL international games, so we don't really get to mingle with the fans. But at Twickenham, you didn't have any choice. You had to no. mingle with the fans, and it was enjoyable. I thought the work they'd done to improve it worked tremendously. How was I the tailgate? Was a... Because there was the an tail... issue last well, year, right? Yeah, now the tailgate this year felt as big as Wembley, which wow. was a great improvement, because last year it felt quite small. This year it just felt better. The crowd were there nice and early, and it was it was this, if, if you if you closed your eyes you would have felt like you're in the same place. Perfect. But I think I think the NFL and the NFL UK office need a fair deal of of credit for this because there were problems year one at Twickenham and a lot of those didn't exist this time. So you know again lessons have been learned and I thought they did they did really well to improve the product. Um, and again you'd expect it to be even better this week uh, for the experience of the fan because they've had another week at it at Twickenham and away we go. You're never going to get away from the problem that it's hard to get to in terms of public transport and car parking is tricky and everything else. But you can make the same case for Wembley. Yes, it's easy to get to potentially, but it's hard to get away from. So a London stadium is always going to present that problem. So I think you can kind of put that down as an equal thing. But I, I thought it was better. I enjoyed it. It's different. And I, I still give Wembley quite a significant edge for the game. But I kind of get where you're coming from, where you can make a strong case now, I'm sure, that it's at least on a par, if not in some areas, slightly better. Yeah. And then, of course, this week, Vern, we've got the Browns against the Vikings. No, don't. So let's, 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 so, let's, so let's move on. Let's, so let's move no, on. No, no, no. Let's stop. Let's pinch <laughs> let's ourselves. Let's pinch right, ourselves. Yeah, we, All right. Let, let's just collect ourselves here. First Come game, on. Jags, Ravens. Yeah. Blowout. 
Jags yeah. come out on top. They surprise yeah. all the UK Jags fans. Hopefully, we're going to kick on now and we'll see two Jags games a year. Uh, I think they're improving. We all know the improvements that they've made. If they get a decent quarterback in the draft, we're rocking. Next yes. game, Dolphins-Saints. Another blowout. Saints come out on top. Dolphins don't show up. Uh, your man Cutler, what can you say? What can you say? Absolute shambles. This game, Cardinals, Rams, another blowout. Rams come out on top. We get to see Gerard Goff. We get to see Todd Gurley. We get to see them. Uh, we get to see the Rams team that everyone's talking about. Sean McVay, youngest head coach in the NFL, put in a sterling performance this week. Darren, I thought I would never say it, but could this game no. be the pick of the bunch? No. The Browns versus no. the Vikings. No, no. You know, <laughs> let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Right? Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Which player on either team this week are you looking forward to Harrison seeing? Smith. Who else? Harrison Smith. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so even even the ones we've had before, right? We're saying, right, Dolphins against the, 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 the Saints. We're looking forward to seeing Drew Brees. We were looking forward to seeing Adrian Peterson because he was still in the Saints gear at the time. You know, we want to see Jay Ajayi. There's a real buzz about that. You know, the Jags are the Jags. We've got our favourites on the Jags now because they've been here so often. You know, the weekend it was all Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, Adrian Peterson, Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> this week, it's the bloody Browns. Who are they bringing? Garrett, the new defensive end. Good player. Great, we just had two games. The quarterback, Darren, I'm, I'm clutching, I'm clutching. Come on. The quarterback, no, the quarterback's apparently on the lash already, if you read the stories in the US Bernie Cozar. This week, guys, exactly. <laughs> Bernie Cozar was here, you'd be saying, great, let's have a look at Ernest Biner. Ernest but they're Biner. not here. They're not here. So oh my God. even the Vikings, who look like they're probably going to win their division, with Aaron Rodgers being out for the Packers, they are not a talent-laden team. You know, Dalvin Cook, who we all would have liked to have seen, the rookie, is gone. Mm. I'm not getting excited about Latavius Murray. I'm not excited about Case Keenum. I've got a slight bit of interest in Stefan Diggs. But after that, nobody had to see John Randall and Chris Dolman, the alumni who are coming over than right. these guys. There's you... nothing here this week are you ready to this? get me excited but are you ready Darren? i'm gonna try and find a way all right darren here's an analogy that i think the majority of fumbleites might understand go on. go on you know when your team gets relegated <laughs> right yeah. from the premier league and it gets relegated from the championship and yeah then it gets relegated to league one this is a hard sell for you to me i've got to tell it you it is it is and then all of a sudden the phoenix rises from the flames. You get promoted to the championship. You sit there and some of the biggest ding-dong do's have been had on the field in the championship, in League One. Now, what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way, I'm trying to sound enthusiastic. I'm struggling with the analogy. I'll be honest with you, I regret starting it. But in the championship, in League One, you see some proper games, some proper competitive games of football, right. Darren. We might have a real competitive game on our hands here with the Browns and the Vikings. All right, there no might chance. not be names on either side. Darren, stick with no me. Chance. I was going to swear then, but Darren, stick with no me. I'm chance. selling it. I'm selling no it. Chance. Alistair Kirkwood is stood behind me, slapping me, trying to encourage fans no to get into this game. This is the biggest one-sided game we've had all year because the Vikings... Are a million miles. I know. The a million but Darren, miles. we've got to clutch at these straws. We've got to bring some positives out of the negative, out of that big sack of cack that is the Browns and the Vikings. It's going to happen. I think this is going to be a close game. It's going to be Browns 10, Vikings 9. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to, I'm trying to find it now, right? So I read, I always read Peter King's MMQB column. Yeah. on a, a Monday morning. And, and if you get the chance, do so. It's brilliant. It really, really is. So he's talked about the game this week in the UK. And he had some really interesting things to say about about you know what, what we should be expecting to get now over here. Uh, well, whilst you're looking, I will say this. No one can predict the scores of any NFL game. We've witnessed that over the years. All NFL fans, yourself, right? We can't expect... Uh, the results and the scores. But on paper, the only team that was poo-pooed by the fans last year on the games, the teams that were coming to London was the Browns. Everyone's like, oh, the Browns, why have we got the Browns? Now, 
Know that everything has happened. Know that we've had, so far, three blowouts, absolute blowouts. We need big teams next year. We need at least right. one game that has a high-caliber pair of right. teams. So here's Peter King, one of the most, if not the most, respected voices in the US who covers the game. Come on, Is that Peter. fair? Yeah, come on, Peter. I think I feel sorry for England. Poor England. First Brexit then ridiculously non-competitive football. Now to the rescue, the Cleveland Browns, question mark. Three of the four London games have been played this year, with one remaining. Minnesota 5-2 and two versus 0-7 Cleveland on Sunday at Twickenham Stadium. The NFL sold out all four games, and the average crowd at the four games will be more than 78,000. As for the quality of play, it's stunk. Margin of victory in the three games this year thus far, 37, 20 and 33 points. At some point... Comma. The NFL is going to have to play a really good game in London. Not just a regular season game for regular season's sake. Green Bay needs to go. Philadelphia hasn't been. Next season will be eight years since the Broncos made the trip. It's only right that the fine people of Western Europe see some of the best teams in the league with something on the line. Now, isn't... Yeah, exactly. But isn't that great that someone like Peter has taken the time to actually say, come on, Let's get a good game for these guys who support this this league so well. I think that's great. And I really hope that he gets his wish because we benefit then, don't we? Yeah, thank you, Peter. We appreciate that. And it's nice now that the media in the States uh, are no longer looking at this game as a kind of uh, a showcase for football. You know, they, they, they understand that this proposition of the NFL bringing teams to London is a serious one. You know, look at that statistic there that he said about the crowd. What is it, average of 76? Yeah. That's bigger than any NFL game. 78, I think he said. 78? 78. 78. 78 because huge. of the size of Wembley, yeah. That's yeah. bigger than a Super Bowl, you know, in some yeah. of the smaller stadiums. That's bigger than yeah. a Super Bowl. It's a legitimate proposition, though, and I think Mark Waller and his team are working extremely hard in the NFL international office over there in New York to bring those high-caliber teams. But we talked about this, I think, on the sidelines, Simon and I and yourself, about the stipulations that are required for teams to come to London. If you've got a new stadium, you have to come to London. If you've got a Super Bowl, if you're hosting a Super Bowl, you have to come to London. Uh, if you're thinking of moving, you have to come to London. So we might get the Raiders. We might get the Texans. We might get the Vikings again. Who knows? Where's the Super Bowl next year, Darren? Off the top of your head. It's, it's in Atlanta. Right, we might get the Falcons. You know? I, I, I just think it's refreshing that that, that, that is the view yeah, in like the US. That. I love and that. not a case of, well, they should just accept what they get. But there yeah. is a feeling now that that kind of legitimises what we are in the UK over there. Yeah. And that there is a bit of sympathy from their standpoint that we've struggled. There's I think this is going to be... I, I'm going to go 27-3 Vikings this week. All right. Well, I, I just I, thought that the Browns yeah. show up. Simple right. as that. Simple as that. Now then, let, let's, let's talk about something that uh, something else that happened on the sidelines at Twickenham. We were yeah. sat... You were doing your thing on the sideline with Sam. I was doing my thing on the sideline with Sky. And then all of a sudden, this icon of the modern game arrives and he just pulls up a chair and sits down next to myself and uh, Sean Gale. It was Eric Dickerson, the Rams Hall of Fame running back. One of the all-time greats. Let's not beat about the push. The single-season all-time rushing leader. Unbelievable. single-season all-time rookie rushing leader and one of the greats. And what a nice, nice man he was to be around in London this week. So, I've been on the stage with him and he talked about coming to London in 1987 and playing at the old stadium in a pre-season game, the American Bowl. We talked about this game a few weeks ago because your dad wanted the binoculars for the streaker. That's right. It was, your, it was your first ever NFL experience, wasn't it, at that time? The yeah. first game you'd been to. Yeah. So what did you do on Sunday? You produced in mint condition, I might add, <laughs> the 1987 American Bowl programme. You brought down to my position on the sideline your brown leather man bag and said, in the top zip is a Sharpie, in the front pocket is the 87 programme. Can you please get it signed by Eric Dickerson? <laughs> so when Eric, when Eric came down, I said, that, by the way, I said, we were talking earlier about the game. He was fascinated to flick through the programme. And, and, and have a look at it. And he did you a wonderful signature, didn't he, on the front? A nice big one right across 
the picture of him with those famous goggles on. Yeah. So I'm hoping that it takes pride of place. I'm going to get it framed, Darren. I'm going to yeah. get it framed. Because I think Eric Dickerson, not only is he the owner of all those stats that you just mentioned, I mean, the single-season rushing record, I don't think that's going to be broken for a long time, looking at the calibre of running backs that we have at the moment in the league and looking at the way that the game has changed, where running backs now seem to have taken uh, a backseat over the quarterback and the receivers, right? However, Eric Dickerson visually is the most iconic American footballer to have played the game outside of the fridge, but that's a different entity altogether. Exactly. If, if you look at Eric Dickerson, he had huge shoulder pads because he always ran high but always went low when he was getting into the tackles. If you look at him with that helmet, with that face cage and the goggles... Yes. The goggles made the goggles. Eric Dickerson so quickly visibly recognisable and he signed the programme under American Ball 87 on top of his Rams helmet just above the goggles. He didn't touch the goggles, which is awesome. <laughs> it looks spectacular. And when we post this podcast up, we're going to put some pictures of that programme. We're going to attach them to that as well because, Darren, you did me an absolute worldie there, my friend, and yes. I can't thank well, you enough. It's uh, my pleasure, and it was his pleasure too, because he enjoyed just spending five minutes flicking through it and reminiscing about about the day. And he did say to me at the time, he said, when we came, we were told, even though it was a preseason game by the NFL, that Eric and John Elway had to be on the field for a certain amount of time. Interesting. Because yeah, because they were the they were the people at the at the time that the, the crowd were essentially playing to see. So even though in a normal um, in a normal preseason game they play one series and go off. Both franchises were told, look, you're coming over, but these two guys have got to be on the field for a certain amount of time wow. to give the crowd a bit more value for money. Otherwise, they're going to have no idea who anybody is. Well, so you, he said, you, you know, that's what we had to do. You met him backstage, right, and you did a quick interview yeah. with him? I did. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, let's have it. Eric, what about London? Tell us what you've experienced this week and why uh, you've enjoyed it so much. We've really enjoyed having uh, you, by the way. Well, you know, uh, it's a different culture. I've enjoyed uh, the food. Um, one thing, I, I went to a restaurant and I asked for a Caesar salad and I asked, can I have blackened chicken? And she was like, huh? What? Never heard of that. <laughs> so, you know, we don't I, do that. Here. I know, they don't do that. Y'all don't, do yeah, yeah, don't do that here. But I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, the weather has been overcast. But, you know, actually, I like it. I do like it. I, I, you know, I live in Southern California where it's hot all the time, so I, I'm enjoying it. The people are, are really, really nice. But, you know, I think the exciting thing is to see how the NFL has expanded. You know, from the time I played back here in 1987, uh, that, you know, they knew a little bit about football, very little about football. But, you know, you have a lot of different fans for different teams, and I think it makes it great for the NFL. Of course, that was the old American Bowl series, right. the preseason right. game against the Denver Broncos, Broncos right. in the old stadium. In the old stadium, right, in Wembley Stadium. You know, I was, me and John Elway played in that game. He's for the Broncos, I was the Rams. And, you know, back then we had to play, you know, two to three quarters, so they had a chance to see us play. But I think it's great, you know, that, that uh, you know, that you're trying to learn football here uh, in the UK. Um, and I think it'll catch on. They were the days when you had to get changed in the arena and get a coach to the stadium because we couldn't fit all of you guys in the changing rooms, the locker rooms, well, you know, the I, old stadium. You know, in the old stadium, we, actually, we had a room. We all changed in the, in oh, the locker room yeah, because we shared lockers. Okay. You know, we, we always, there was two guys to a locker. So that, that, that made it work in that stadium. And I think I liked about that stadium was how big it was, but it was, you know, the fans weren't very close. It was kind of ways away, but it was so loud. One thing I've always wanted to ask you about is your single season rushing record. Is that, is that the most special thing to you in terms of an individual accomplishment on the field? Um, I would say yes, one of them. I think uh, one that I'm really most proud of, I think it's going to be harder to break, uh, is my rookie rushing record, you know, of 1,800 yards as a rookie. 1808 exactly, 20 touchdowns as, as a rookie. Um, because, you know, you got to understand, as a, as a young player, most most coaches or teams don't build an offense around a, around a rookie. That's I mean, a first-year player. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have a, a rookie coach, John Robinson, that tried to recruit me to go to USC coming out of high school, but I, I didn't go. And then get me at the Rams and build an offense around me. So I, I like, I mean, I like both records, but I think I, I like that one even more. The, the single season one, a few people have had a go, but they don't quite. <laughs> what, when it gets towards the end of the season, Adrian Peterson's got this this plan where if he gets 140 yards on average for the last four games, he breaks it. Do you sit there in the house thinking, go well, but not that well? No, I, I don't sit in the house thinking about it. Uh, you know, and I don't want my record to be broken. No one wants their record to be broken. But matter of fact, the day that that he was getting close to that record. 
uh, I was at Toys R Us with my, with my daughter, with my little girl. And uh, I was getting all these calls. I mean, my phone was just blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. Finally, I looked at it. I'm like, dang, I had like 40 text messages, 20 missed calls. And one of my old linemen called me, Jackie Slater from the Rams. She was on the team when I broke that record. And he said, man, are you watching this game? I'm like, no. What you not? Where you at? I said, I'm at Toys R Us. What are you doing at Toys R Us, man? They about to break this record. I said, Jack, he's not going to break that record. He said, I don't know. Like, they're trying to give it to him. But, you know, thank God he didn't break it. And I, I called Adrian after the game. I called him. Told him he had a great season, you know, and, and you know, glad to see he came back in his injury. And I said, let me ask you a question, Adrian. Don't you have a record of uh, most yards in a single game? He said, yeah, I think it was like 296 yards. I said, do you want that record broken? He got quiet. He laughed. He said, no, I don't. I said, exactly. I didn't want mine broken either. And Jamal Lewis had to go as well, didn't he? And what about the current Rams running back at the moment, Todd Gurley? How good is he? I think Todd is very good. I mean, I don't even think he realizes how good he can possibly be. I mean, when you saw last year's Todd, opposed to this year's Todd, you know, he's the same guy. He just had no blocking. And in, in the football, in our American football, you have to have the guys up front. We call them the big guys up front, the offensive line. And, and he wasn't getting that blocking. And I can tell you one thing that made a big difference is having an offensive-minded head coach, you know, in Sean McVay, and also acquiring Whitworth from the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, you know, sometimes it takes one guy to make that offensive line better. He's done a great job of making our line better. One of the formative images of my early time of watching the NFL was you with the helmet the and the goggles. We've got a manager here at the moment called Jurgen Klopp, and he's quite famous for his glasses. He, he's the manager of Liverpool, and he's quite famous for them because when he celebrates, he tends to break them, and they're in various <laughs> football museums. Well, you need to get him some, you need to get him some goggles, dude. He's going to break them. But goggles. that is the iconic image of you with the goggles. With the goggles, yeah. I know. You know, believe it or not, people think, I hated those things. I mean, I had to have them to see. Every time I let somebody put them, I'm like, dang, these things have got description in them. I said, yeah, I want them not to put a look. So most definitely, I had to wear them to see because I couldn't see. I tried to play without them a couple of times, couldn't, had to put, try to put contacts on, they popped out. So I went back to the goggles. And yes, it's, I guess it's my signature look with the goggles. All right, it's great to talk to you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you very much. What a lovely, lovely guy. I met him. Fantastic. I met him briefly at a Super Bowl party in Phoenix for Super Bowl 50. And uh, it's on my Instagram. And I was with a friend of mine. And I, I've kind of cut my friend off. So it's just me and Eric Dickerson. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, icon, it, an icon. What a nice guy. It's nice that the uh, the alumni are such lovely, lovely fellas, isn't it? Do you know what? He's absolutely built still as well. I mean, he oh. looks like he could stick a pair of shoulder pads and play. You know what I couldn't believe as well, though? A lot of the running backs, you mentioned it earlier that he ran high and got low and he wore the big shoulder pads and everything mm. else. He seemed abnormally tall for a running back to me. I mean, most of the running backs you, you, you see, they're all around a certain size. 5'11", 6 foot. That's a, that, it might be a little bit, maybe 5... You know, it, they're not they're not six three, are they running backs? They're no. not because they've got to get the shoulders lower than the man that tackles them. I watched a great program on um, NFL Network the other night, a football life with Sam Mills, and they were saying because Sam was five foot nine and a three quarters, mm. um, he always got his pad level lower than the person that he tackled. So it made him such a big hitter because he'd always got the leverage to yeah. get through the tackle. Now Eric's problem was he's what six three. Yeah. He's tall like you. He's got to get those shoulders down and get them lower than the linebacker's shoulder pads, the safety's shoulder pads. And when you look at him, he is abnormally tall, I think, for a running back, which makes it even more remarkable that he could run in the manner that he did. He does remind me a little bit of Adrian Peterson, who didn't show up on yeah. Sunday. I thought Eddie George when I saw him, because I'd met Eddie George before, and he's quite tall. And Eddie George always struggled, didn't he, to get the shoulder pads low. Dickerson was the master at doing it. Eddie George had that really upright running style, which made him easier to tackle. Yeah. Dickerson had that power and strength with his size, but he'd also got the ability. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To get low and, and do what he did. A lovely guy to boot. What yes. do you think of the media coverage that happened uh, around the NFL game? Because I was having a flick through in a couple of the broadsheets and, dare I say, a couple of the tabloids. Nothing, Darren. Absolutely nothing about the NFL at Wembley or Twickenham. Yeah, I, I know. And I think the problem is, pre-match, I think that's an issue. Because I think pre-match, the NFL tries so hard to generate interest and make people available so that the media in, in this country can go and see them and meet them and do features on them, etc. because you get such good access. I think the problem they're always going to have, Vern, is that the day after the game is Monday. And Monday, Monday's newspapers are absolutely wall-to-wall football and rugby. Mm. You know, you, you've got all the pull-outs, you've got the, 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 the league in the rugby, rugby union taking place. I think you're going to find it hard to get column inches on the game itself. But not even a, a column inches, not even a mention of the game at Wembley. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Now, I know that the NFL UK office are taking a different approach, you know, with social media being uh, so important and, and, and maybe touching more people's consciousness than your uh, traditional tabloid or broadsheet. But still, not to have it in the nation's press, print press, I think it's a bit strange, a bit bizarre. There's something awry, something amiss, I think. Yeah, and therein lies your problem if they want a franchise here. Because if the franchise is going to be here, it has that, that the actual relevance of the game and what it means has to become part of the, the media culture over here. There's got to be that kind of interest, legitimate interest. But I, I also think as well that we give access. We get loads of access. But could they find one or two angles for the Nationals. Mm. Are there angles here that we're not looking at? Can we be a bit more creative? What is the backstory to some of these guys? Maybe they need to find one or two little backstories that all of a sudden the press think, aye, aye, that's an, he's an interesting character, or he's done this, or whatever it is. You know, maybe we still need that just to help it along a little bit. I don't maybe know. you and I should go and pitch ourselves and become representatives of the NFL within that circle of media, Darren. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. Uh, so uh, we've covered that. We've ticked that one off. But let's talk about uh, myself and you. Pitch side. We, we were, were pitch side at Twickenham. Yeah. We were enjoying the game. No, uh, I, I still get butterflies. I still get uh, excited because I, I was telling my mum, actually, on Monday, she said, oh, what game, love? I said, Mum, I said, every time I walk on to the field, I said, every time I get the opportunity, and let's not forget, NFL fans who see yourself and me and other British guys at the side of the pitch, we don't take it for granted. This is a real, real treat for us. I just, I said to my mum, I said, Mum, all I kept thinking about was 13-year-old me stood on the sidelines watching an actual NFL game. I said, it just sends a shiver down my spine because... Those kids that I were are now in the stands watching the game, thinking, oh, my gosh, Vernon Kay and Darren Fletcher are sideline. I wish I was. Well, I, we were exactly the same when we yeah. were their age, and I still get butterflies. And I think we talked about that when we were pitch side. So this is Darren and I uh, pitch side at Twickenham on Sunday. Right, here, uh, uh, Fletcher and Vern, and we're on the sidelines of the big game. Uh, I've just had a fanboy moment. You have. Because Eric Dickerson, well, courtesy of Fletch, has just signed my 1987 American Bowl programme. He has, hasn't he? Uh-huh. And, and what about that? I'm pitch side here. My introduction today was from the fumble with Fletch and Vern. <laughs> 80,000 are in here, I've heard that. That's quite a pivotal moment. Brilliant. I, I didn't know, I didn't know. What about this, though, where we are now? It's amazing because we're, we're, we're about oh, 10 yards from the sideline. So at the moment, we've got the Cardinals on offence, driving towards the Rams, obviously, end zone. Uh, but the action is so close. And one thing that always amazes me is the noise of the contact. There was a lovely moment, you know, before the game. I was stood on the sideline and Patrick Peterson jogged over from the sideline in full pads and helmet to go into the crowd to see his family. It was clearly his son or daughter, took him out of mum's arms, gave the child a kiss and then trotted back on again. Oh, stopped, stopped with the reporter quickly to say, my quad's fine, I'm OK, and then got back to warm-ups. It was brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I'm going to leave in the, at the beginning of the fourth quarter to go to my daughter's 13th birthday party. Well, I'm DJing. I can't be late because she's paying me good money. <laughs> guess, guess what I'm doing next? Go on. I'm interviewing a fella from the Coldstream Guards. I've never done that before. 
What do you ask him? What do you say to a chap from the cold street? What's job? most important, polishing your boots or your helmet? <laughs> Ever banged your teeth on your trombone? <laughs> Let's get back to the game well, quickly. I've got to go, I've got the fellas here. All right, go, go, go. JJ Nelson, receiver on the play. I got down there about an hour before kickoff. And you've got the chance to move about and go in and out and all that kind of thing. I never left the sidelines until the final gun. <laughs> Even at half time, I was down there and other people were wandering in and out and it was raining on and off and I was getting soaked. But I just wanted to be there and feel it because I, 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 I enjoyed it so much and it was such a privilege to be down there. Such a privilege anyway to work on, 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 the, on the NFL events in London because it's... It's 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 you're working on your hobby, aren't you? It's not yeah, a job; it's exactly. a hobby. You, you you're lucky to be down there, and anyone in the crowd would gladly swap places with you and, and and do that job as well. So it was absolutely sensational. Now, 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 for the first time on the Fumble Podcast, we have some results from our DraftKings league. Dun, dun, dun. Now, at the moment, I'm struggling to play because I'm apparently, which I didn't know I got, I've got some DraftKings account in the US. So I can't get on to register to play in the UK. So we're working at that. But Internet Rich is doing a fine job with the league. And Internet Rich in our 12-team league this week came fourth. But the winner this week with 151.96 points. Wow. Yeah, was Adam Walford. What a performance. The second place team, Jonathan Peters, 128.96. So he's absolutely blown everybody away. And his team, Vern, Go on. was Todd Gurley, yep. Mike Evans, yep. Drew Brees, yep. Tyrod Taylor, wow. Jarvis Landry, yep. Jordan Howard, Alvin Kamara, and Duke Johnson. And basically what you do, you go on the DraftKings site, you find our league and join our league. You let us know via the fumble you want to play, and Internet Rich will get you in. We can make the league bigger week on week on week. And then it's basically a pick 'em game. So you pick one player from each box. So even if you don't think you know enough about the NFL to be able to play fantasy sports, that you don't know the ins and outs or the stats or all that kind of thing, with this game, you can just go and pick one from each. You'll be familiar with the names, and you can have a go. So well done, Adam. He's won the first one. Very, very pleased for him. Um, we're going to get it up and running again. So at the Fumble is the uh, Twitter page to let Internet Rich know you want to play. And then you go on to DraftKings, sign up for the league, use the promo code FUMBLE, and then away you go. You can join, and that's it. And there is also the possibility there to play in, in cash leagues where you can win some prizes too. Nice. You stick, you stick your $5 in, promo code FUMBLE, you can play in a variety of leagues and you might well be a winner as well. So that's really good. Well done, Adam, who's won. So let's see what the uh, what the story is this week, Vernon, my friend. Yeah, great performance. And 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 he didn't have Dak Prescott. He didn't have Ezekiel Elliott. You know what I mean? Didn't have the no, obvious you, ones. In our league this week, I, in one of the leagues I played, I got 135 points I got this week. And I did have Zeke Elliott. And he was an absolute monster. 30 so points plus go. great performance. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. He's gone. With a pick six. Right, it's time for the pick six. Are you ready, Darren? Ready. You kick off. OK, this one to you. I called the Steelers for the Super Bowl last week. Are you jumping on the Big Ben bandwagon yet? Not yet, no. I think we talked about it last week, and I'm still going to sit by what I uh, said. Any quarterback that says, I don't think I've got it, pfft, sorry, mate, you're on the bench for me. I'm not having that. <laughs> I am not you having that. You can't bench Big Ben? I'm not saying bench him, but I'm just saying it, I would go anywhere near him. I need that guy to sit down with me as the coach, as a fellow teammate, and say, Ben, are you for real? Are you for, Did you actually say that? Where are you at? What's going on? Let's go down the park. Let's chuck some balls together. Let's build up his confidence. Let's just launch a few. Well, I don't know. Target somewhere. Uh, give him the confidence. I mean, it was a great performance this weekend. Uh, I know that because I've got Le'Veon Bell in my fantasy team and he is just racking up carries, he's racking up points and I think that's the way the Steelers are going to succeed towards the end of this uh, season and into the playoffs. So I'm not on the Big Ben bandwagon just yet but I my toe is well and truly in the uh, in the Steelers' corner at the moment. I'd also, I'd also say as well, having looked at what the Patriots look like against the Falcons on Monday night, <laughs> They looked like the Patriots, didn't they? Yes, they did. Didn't they? Yes, didn't they, they did. Yeah. Yes, they did, yeah. I'll tell yeah. you what, I, I, one thing that uh, um, amazes me, and we're all obsessed by Bill Belichick, right? We're all obsessed in the way that 
how he manages. Even Fergie and, and is good friends with Belichick. Do you know what I mean? Two great sporting minds. I would love to know where he started the process of saying, excuse my language here, listeners, this might need a beep. All right, dudes, our defence is <laughs> Sort this <laughs> out. You know what I mean? And then they come out with a performance against the Falcons like that. Brady's got a little bit of confidence. The team on the sideline at the end of the game were boasting around. They, they, they know that they are almost there. But I read a great article this week saying that the Patriots start the season and all they want to do is get to the end of the 16 games better than they were when they started. And that's what's happening. And I think they are a force to be reckoned with still. I still reckon they need a receiver or two. But Gronk carrying the workload, that'll do for me. I also think, too, you know, we shouldn't be surprised because Belichick might well be the greatest defensive mind that the game's ever seen. And then Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator, yeah. is imagine, a fully well, he's a fully qualified rocket scientist. But imagine being, so if you can be a rocket scientist, you can work out how to stop the Atlanta Falcons scoring points. But imagine, being, imagine the pressure he's under. Do you know what I mean? He he, I he must be I under think, immense pressure. No, no I, don't I totally mean, disagree. I don't mean pressure as in the gaffer's watching. But you you apply for a job and Bill Belichick's your boss. No, I think he's great. No, I I don't agree. I think he's great to work for. Everything I hear is that once you're in his team, that's you. You're in. And he'll do anything to help you. And I think that's his secret. I think think you don't often see... I mean, look at Josh McDaniels, the, the offensive coordinator. He went and came back. Went and came back. You know, Matt Patricia... He could apply for head coaching positions. He'd get, he'd get a job. He could get He's a, a defensive co- anywhere. Doesn't want to go. Doesn't want to go. Dante Skarnecchia, the, the offensive line coach, he's been there since the Titanic was launched. You know, so <laughs> all these guys have been on Belichick's team. He must be great to work for. So I don't think you're under pressure, no. I think the only pressure is, that you, is as he always says, is to do your job. And I think if he can help you to do your job, he will. And I think it's the epitome of, a coaching staff that they're all in there together. Lovely. And they're all held accountable mm-hmm. and they're all bloody talented at what they do. Yeah, really um, good. Uh, and and they, are, they are the perfect example, Vern, that you can sometimes make a silk purse out of a sow's ear because they do get so much more from their players exactly. than theoretically they should. They really do. They really do. And I think that Falcons game is a turnaround. I think it's uh, onwards and upwards now for the Patriots, uh, which is all good for me because I've got Brady in my Pacific hey. Right, Darren, here's one for you. Will any team end the season this year with the quarterback they started with? They are dropping like flies. <laughs> No, all 32 are going, Vern. Don't say um, that. Emergency Ward 10. They're oh. all ready for these guys. No, listen, on a serious note, we picked up at the back end of the podcast during the two-minute warning last week, didn't we, about the injuries that quarterbacks are picking up at the moment. And you said, let's let's pick this up next week. And I think this is kind of an extension of that. And I've been thinking about, you know, the kind of topics that and, and, and points that we raised about quarterback injuries last week. And I've actually come up with another one as well. Um they, they used to be the rule of in the grasp. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you've got your arms around a quarterback's leg, they'd blow it dead because he's in the grasp. And the quarterback would essentially give himself up at that point. But because they've relaxed that rule, because quarterbacks are so much more mobile now, I think that's a, a problem for injuries. Because these guys are scrambling for their lives to get out of people's tackles, to complete passes. And the more you do that, the more you're putting your body at risk. And I think the fact that quarterbacks these days are so keen to keep plays alive because they've all got a fair amount of mobility and they're able to, to slip a few tackles from time to time. I think when that goes wrong, they're putting their bodies in such awkward positions and such awkward angles and invariably they're getting hit by more than one defensive player who all outweigh them and are all physically bigger than them. I think the whole way that the quarterback position is played now just makes it more conducive to getting injured. Yeah. You know, the game's faster, the game, the, the players are stronger, but the quarterback is still relatively brittle. But these quarterbacks now refuse to give a play up. Look at There's Carson not a case anymore. Yeah, exactly. There's not a place anymore where a quarterback will just roll up in a ball and go down. I remember when Michael Strahan broke the single-season sack record at Lawrence Taylor's sack record against Green Bay. And Brett Favre, at that point, knew he couldn't go anywhere, so he just literally laid on the ground, and he got criticised for it. But what do you do if you're Brett Favre? Do you want to get smashed by Mike Strahan? Or do you just want to say, well, I can't get away anyway, so I'll just give up the sack? 
But they don't do that now. They want to play their way through it. And I think that leaves you really susceptible to to getting hurt. I mean, you just mentioned Carson Wentz. I'll give you some numbers. I like to do that every week, don't I? All of it. He is officially a dual threat quarterback, and we don't really talk about that. But he's rushed for more first downs, rushed for more first downs this season than Frank Gore, Marshawn Lynch, and Latavius Murray, hmm. among others. So that kind of tells you what how he sees his job. And every time the quarterback crosses the line of scrimmage, they're taking a massive risk. Yeah, they truly are. And that's why they've all gone down. Yeah, yeah. Right, I've got one now for you. Last Sunday, as we <laughs> mentioned earlier, you asked me to get you Eric Dickerson's autograph. Now, you're not going to be at the game this week. So what signature or bit of merchandise or memorabilia shall I get you from the Vikings Brown? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. All I want from this game, okay, all I want from this game, and I'm not going to tell the Fumbleites the story. If you can ask this question to Harrison yeah. Smith or Kyle Rudolph during this week or whenever the uh, Vikings arrive, if you get just two minutes with either of those, ask them this question. Do you remember being in San Francisco with my mate Vernon, the English guy who plays for the <laughs> London Warriors, and his mate, Sam. And if they say, oh, I don't know, just say, Harrison, it was when you were about to sign your contract and you had all that cash. And You've see, told me this. You've see told what his me answer this. is. You've told me see this See what his story. answer is. And then we'll, we may discuss it. We may yes, discuss it we may. Uh, next week. Right. OK. That, that's, I'll, I'll try and get that in this week. Yeah. I'll see what I can do. Next. All right. Next up. This one's to you, my friend. Are you ready? Johnny Mack tweeted at The Fumble to ask about the atmosphere at Twickenham on Sunday. We've partly discussed this already. He felt it was lacking due to not enough fans of the teams there. Now, this is something uh, that we have never talked about, and it's something that I don't know needs approaching, but it's interesting. He wants to know if it was uh, if it was feeling a bit lacking pitch side. I don't think it was, but no. we always talk at Wembley or at Twickenham that all 32 teams are represented. Do you think that affects the atmosphere? Uh, yes, I do. And I think it makes it an unrealistic situation for the two teams because it was a Rams home game and the, the, the PA announcer had actually kind of explained that when the offence is on the field, you're quiet. When the defence is on the field, you're noisy. But of course, we get a situation that you're a fan of another team. When you turn up at Twickenham and in your mind, you're thinking, I'm going to support one of these two while I'm here. That's what we do in the UK. We pick a team and we're there and we'll support one anyway, even though it's not our team. And the crowd were booing as loudly when Jared Goff was under centre as they were when Carson Palmer was under centre. And it was a Rams home so, game. And it was a Rams home <laughs> game. So it's unrealistic anyway. You're never going to get that fever-pitched home crowd because you're playing it thousands and thousands of miles away. And as you say, we all support our own team. I think that becomes different and that changes if we get a franchise because that then becomes our team. Yeah. And even if it would be our second team, as we discussed a couple of episodes ago, you would still cheer for that team more than the other one. So I think while it's just a case of sending a couple over and having a game, it's going to be a neutral crowd and the noise is going to be what it is. I think the only way you're going to get that tribalism you get at a football match or a rugby match is to actually give us a team and say, this one's yours, and then we can get behind that team in any way we want to, can't we? Yeah, here, here. Right, one for you. Are your Chicago Bears the best emerging team in the NFL. And I'm going to go and see them in a couple of weeks. You are. You, we'll talk about that in a minute. But if you look at uh, the way they've been performing, offence and defence, I think you're... Yeah, I'm going to say yeah. I think if if this young quarterback that we have, uh, if he can settle in, and all they've got to do is establish the running game. We've seen what our running backs can do. We just need to make the quarterback happy. Because the defence, happy offence, happy defence. It's as simple as that. And I think we've got uh, a future ahead of us. We need two receivers in the draft or they need to bring someone in who's... who's... Well, they've just made a trade, haven't they, this week? Oh, they've really? Just taken, I haven't seen yeah, this. They've, Go on. they've just taken Dontrell Inman from the San Diego Chargers for a conditional seventh-round pick. Interesting. So, look, even though he's not a superstar, it is a genuine receiver in the NFL who they Mitch Trubisky can throw at. They know what they need. They know what they need, you know, and it, you can't leave Mitchell Trubisky hanging. You need to feed the goat and he will score, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> I really like them. I really like them. They've got emerging superstars on the team. Yeah. You know, Jordan Howard 
is a really good running back. How big are his thighs, by the way? Fantastic. You know, oh, my gosh. Leonard Floyd, the outside linebacker, could be a really good one. And we started to see one or two others emerge on that Chicago defence. And I was reading in, in the US press this week, they described the win at the weekend um, as being the most Bears-like win for some time. Bearing in mind they got 17 points and 14 points came from the defence, which is the way that franchise has been built down the years, hasn't exactly. it? That they yeah. play defence and the, the offence is out there not to balls it up. Yeah. And the defence will do the rest. And they are looking good, really good. All right, last one of pick six because I've got a flight to catch. Uh, you have. Matthew Clark on our Twitter asks, what do you think of Cam Newton's latest press conference? He walked out and his attitude yeah. in the press conferences in general. OK, right, I'm going to come at this from this angle. I was appalled by what he said to the female reporter a couple of weeks ago. And that was bang out of order, totally unnecessary, totally stupid, totally misguided. And that's my view on that. With this one, what I think with Cam, Cam's quite real in, in, a, in the way he deals with things. If he's fed up, you know he's fed up. Look if at he's the happy, you know he's happy. Interview, let's not forget. Yeah, exactly. But I, I'm in the media, right? And I, I get the opportunity to ask these guys questions as well a lot of the time. And sometimes I ask really good questions. Sometimes I ask really bad questions. And sometimes I ask really stupid questions. Now... There's no divine right for a media person when they're stood in the room, if they ask a silly question and the quarterback rolls his eyes and walks out, ask a better question. Mm. I, I've been there before and the minute the words leave my lips, I think, why the hell have you asked that? And you, you, if, you, if you're big enough, you think, I deserve that because I shouldn't have asked it or I could have asked it better because, you know, these guys are human beings and they're fed up and whatever it is. And I, I don't mind. You know, listen... You've got to work on your relationships and the way you go. I, I, I'm not. I've got a problem with it. I've had people walk out on me in the past. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Yeah, I, used to, I, I used to sit and interview Brian Clough. Try that for a bit. Oh you my can't gosh! Be, you can't be too precious, Fern. You've just got to take it for what it is. And well, listen, if Cam, Cam Newton was doing it every week, fine. But he isn't, and he's not the only one in the NFL who turn around and go, you know, I mean, you know what? I don't like that question, or you know what? I'm not answering that. But Cam's a target, so there you go. That's the two-minute warning. Let's do two-minute warning and, and uh, let's carry on. Let's uh, keep the topic on Cam Newton and uh, interviewees making boo-boos. I've got a boo-boo. Two-minute warning. Are you ready? Go, Start. go, go, no. go, go. So, interviewing, I'm with Sean Gale, sideline at Twickenham. We're talking football. We've just done an amazing tribute to our dear friend, Kevin Cadle. We come back off a beautiful VT about Adrian Peterson and then the microphones go dead. But thank the Lord. I think it was Kevin Cadle holding my hand because I interviewed Sean Gale and we'd just come off the back of this amazing VT about Adrian Peterson. And I said to Sean, wow, Patrick Peterson, what an amazing guy. What do you think, Sean? And he looked at me and he went, did you just say Patrick Peterson? And no one heard it because the microphones were dead, but it went out live. And I watched it back when I got in because I was petrified that I'd made this massive boo-boo on Sky. It's my own, it's my second only appearance. And I called oh. AP Patrick. And I had a look and no one heard it because the microphones had died. So, Kevin, RIP, my friend. Thank you for looking after me. That's a lovely story. That's a lovely story. But all I would say to you is sharpen up next time, sunshine. Thank Otherwise, you, sir. Right, You're not going to be on there, are you? Shut up, let's move on. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm going to be back on the door queue. Right, that's it from us. Uh, Darren, it's always a pleasure. It's never a chore. Yes, it is. I've thoroughly enjoyed it again, and we hope you have too. We are growing all the time, and please spread the word. Stick us a, re a review up there on iTunes. Subscribe. Uh, let's get this thing really rolling, because... They're now starting to announce us at Twickenham, which is great. It really is. Uh, this has been a Shooting Shark production. Thank you for listening. Remember, uh, I'll just recap what Darren said. Subscribe, rate and review. We'll see you next week. Enjoy Twickenham.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.